Before we get started here in Dallas, Texas, I want to welcome my Porch Live locations of the night, welcoming Porch Live Greater Lafayette, Porch Live Boise, Porch Live Cincy. We all just help them, our friends tonight listening online, watching in the Porch Live locations. Of course, my friends here in Dallas, welcome. If this is your first time at the porch, welcome. We are venturing into night two of our dating series that we are calling Dateable. Last week, DMARV had a strong start where he just asked the question, hey, are you dateable? We did kind of a self-reflection, kind of introspective look at ourselves to decide, hey, should I even be dating right now? And the next two weeks, we're gonna get a little bit spicy and turn up the notch a little bit because we're gonna ask the questions, is he dateable? And next week, is she dateable? And so tonight, I have, is he dateable? And ladies, we're taking a look at the fellas, but don't look too hard. I'm excited. And I wanna go ahead and address kind of like the elephant in the room. Have you ever had one of those conversations where like, you know, you have a roommate that doesn't do the dishes and you're talking with your other roommate and you're like, that roommate walks by and you're like, yeah, if someone would do the dishes and you're like wanting them to hear but like not address them. That's kind of how I feel right now. Like I'll be talking to the ladies, answering the question if he is dateable or not, but fellas, this talk is for you. And this talk is not to make you feel shame. It's not make you, make you feel guilt, like there's some unrealistic mountain that you can't climb, that you have to be perfect. That is not my goal here. Like picture us right now, fellas, in a huddle. I'm like, okay, here's the play. Let's go change the world. Let's go lead women. Let's go be awesome men of God. Stack hands. Let's do this. That's what I hope comes from this talk, that you are motivated. You are inspired by God and his design and his call on your life as a man to pursue and lead women the way that he has called us to. And so I hope this excites you, not frightens you. Ladies, I hope this enlightens you to answer the question, is he really dateable? So I remember a time that I had to answer the question if I was dateable. Last December, I drove to Arkansas to take a girl that is now my fiance, her name is Jenna. Um, yeah, getting married, New Year's Eve, cannot wait, it's gonna be a time. But I met her, I drove to Arkansas, I heard about her, she worked for the Porch Live location there. Her reputation preceded her, I went, drove, we had a fun night, karaoke, hung out with some friends. I brought some guys with me, she brought some girls with her. And we had coffee the next morning. I got that you know, one-on-one -on -one the next day, she approved. And then we had a four-hour coffee, and I'm like, this is, this is in game, this is the one. I knew I had found her, but I knew that in order for me to ask her to be my girlfriend, which I was planning to do New Year's Eve this past year, I had to ask her parents because my dad raised me, fellas, this is just free advice. This isn't even my notes. This is for you, take this with you. When I was in like, I don't know, 10th grade, I wanted to like go and like ask a girl to be my girlfriend. And my dad was like, well, if you're gonna ask the girl, you gotta go ask her dad first for permission. In 10th grade, me is like, what? And I was so nervous. <laughs> and he said, son, what kind of dad would let you, you think that man would let you just walk in his house, take his lawnmower, start it up and walk around with it? No, you have to ask for permission. He wanted to know, do you know how to operate this machine? How much more, how much more does he think that you would, or could you think that he would let you walk into his house 
and take out his daughter and date his daughter and lead his daughter. I'm not calling girls machines, but what I am saying, what I am saying is that if a dad values a lawnmower, how much more does he value his princess? And you need to make sure that you ask him for permission. So fellas, you wanna go ahead and start off on the, the good list? You wanna be like top 10% of men? Ask the parents for permission. So I thought, I thought this was gonna be an easy thing. I texted, I got the number. I'm still, I'm sitting here 27, nervous as heck, texting mom and dad. Also, her mom's here tonight, Kit Kat, what's up? <laughs> and future mother-in-law, getting those brownie points. And so I text them and I'm like, hey, we'd love to talk. They know what's coming. They're, not, they're seeing right past the bull crap. And so I'm like, we'd love to set up a call and talk to y'all about something regarding Jenna. And I'm thinking this is gonna be just so easy, a quick two minute call. They're gonna just be flattered that I would even ask and like, what guys do that? I thought chivalry was dead, uh-uh. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened. I get on the phone and I'm like, hey, I'm not really good at small talk. So I'm like, let's just cut to the chase. I wanna ask Jenna to be my girlfriend this New Year's Eve. And before I do that, of course, wanted to ask you for your permission. And I just wanted to give you the opportunity to ask me any questions if you had any. I'm thinking they're gonna be like, no, thank you for asking, go. She said, glad you asked. And I hear this notepad <laughs> open up. And I start hearing writing. I'm like, what's she already writing? Like 15 ums already, you know, informal presentation. I'm like, what's, what is she saying? And so she opens up this notepad and we proceed to take the next hour and a half just drilling me with questions. And I'm like, okay, I'm answering these. I'm, you know, you know, getting hit. I'm like, I'm staying in the game. I'm answering them all. We talk about boundaries. We talk about what community my life looks like. We talk about accountability, sin patterns, you know, what my, my story, all these different things. Why? Why did we spend an hour and a half doing that? Because her... She, Catherine, and her husband value their daughter. And the more you value something, the higher expectations you have of how it's treated. And so they wanted to make sure, are you dateable? Not because you have to be perfect, not because it's something that you can do, but do you have Jesus in you and does he mark your life in such a way that you have committed everything to him and that you are leading yourself so that you could lead our daughter. Because they knew the way that I operated now and who I was today as a man was gonna impact who she would become as a woman if I were to date and lead her. So they had a lot of questions because they valued their daughter. And what I want every single person here to take away tonight, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to walk away understanding your value in the eyes of your heavenly father, God. I want you to know that you are worth more than what culture says. You are worth more than what that guy, that bum has treated you like. You are worth more than being cheated on. You are worth so much and you have so much value because every single one of you are made in the image of God. And so because you have extreme value marked on your life, there should be expectations for how you are treated and how you treat your life. And who you date will have huge implications on your today and on your forever. So you need to make the decision wisely. Lazy, ladies, you need to make sure that you are asking the right questions. Is he dateable? And so what we're gonna do here tonight 
It's just like Jenna's parents asked me questions to determine if I was dateable and good for her, their daughter. We're gonna look at God's word and see what he would have to say and the questions that he would have us ask to find out if we as men are dateable to date his daughters. Ladies, these are the questions that you should be asking to see if he is dateable to date you. So, three questions. And I know when I say looking at God's word, you might be thinking, well wait, y'all say all the time that God's word doesn't address dating, so what do you mean by that? And I wanna say that God's word, yes, it does not say the word dating or thou shalt date this way or ask out this way, but what it does talk about a lot is the institution of marriage. And because we believe here that you should only be dating if you are heading towards the destination of marriage, we look at what God has to say about marriage and we use those practices and those foundations to mark how we date so that we can prepare for his desire for us to be married in a God-honoring way. And so that's what I'm gonna do tonight. So the first question we're gonna ask, the first question for my note takers is this, who's leading him? If you're a guy, write down, who's leading me? Who's leading him? And ladies, I wanna make sure, I first and foremost address that you wanna make sure that you know who's leading him and that the answer is not you because that's not your job. And I think a lot of times ladies like the job of leading their men or they think somewhere deep down it's up to them to determine his spirituality and his spiritual walk with God. You think, okay, well, I know that I have a relationship with God and I know that he's kind of wishy-washy and he doesn't really read his Bible or you know, he does call himself a Christian, but he doesn't really go to church. But if he dates me and he starts to give me his heart and I start to give him my heart and we start to fall in love, I can help him. I can get him into church. I can lead him in the way. I can lead him towards Jesus. And sure, maybe, maybe you could be of help to him, but you are sacrificing something good or something great for something mediocre outside of God's design. Because God's design is this, 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. So Christ is up top. And the head of a wife is her husband. Christ, husband, and the head of Christ is God. This does not mean that because the head of a woman is her husband, that the man is the leader, that the woman is of any less significant value. It does not mean that she is any less important. What it does mean is that this is not a matter of rank, but role. God has given us roles for a reason, to help us, because he understands our makeup and wiring. Thank God he designed women differently than men. He designed women in a way that men are there to, to help lead. And by the way, every biblical term in the Bible, when it talks about leadership here, is referring to servant leadership. You're not finding yourself some chief head honcho who loves to wave authority over you or dictate your decisions or control you. You are finding the ultimate server because if Christ is Lord of his life, Christ we see in Philippians that he was the ultimate servant. He came down and humbled himself from heaven onto earth. He was all about serving. So if we're following and leading by his example, we are chief servants. We are constantly seeking to serve women by leading them. Our leadership at the foundation is constantly thinking, what can I do to better her, to love her, to care for her? Not for myself, but for her. But who he leads 
will determine how he leads you. And so you need to ask yourself who or what is leading him. Because if Christ is not leading him, do not let him lead you. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership or what relationship has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? They're just giving the case here that, hey, like, it's impossible for light and dark to like, coexist. You can't do it. And so when you try to have a relationship that is both God-honoring and others-focused, it's impossible if you have someone who is following God and being led by God and someone who's not. It doesn't work because the Bible says in 1 John that God is love. So if someone doesn't know God, how can they know how to properly love? How can they? And so they're just making the case here, hey, if you think that it's up to you to lead them, you will eventually be following them because that's not your role, that's not your job. Women, in asking the question if he's dateable, ask yourself, who's leading him? Who's informing his decisions? What does he follow? What informs his thinking and his patterns? Is it Christ? Is it himself? Is it you? Is it people who are bad influences? Is it culture? You wanna know that it's Christ leading him. And I don't mean an Instagram bio or like the cross necklace or the cross tat. Um, I mean like Jesus is Lord of his life. And I don't have to like explain it to you. I really think you know what I'm talking about. And you can try to make excuses for him, but deep down you know who's leading him. And you gotta know it's Christ. But I also know that it is getting harder and harder to actually know on the outside if the guy is legit. Because what his hinge profile bio says doesn't match up all the time with who he follows on Instagram and how he lives and acts. And I know that. And it's like, where are the actual godly guys? I want an actual godly guy. Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? I'm gonna answer. Here's how you can know. Don't look at the bios, don't look on the outside, don't look at his words, look at his heart. Do a heart check. So here's just a quick way to remember. In heart checking, first check his habits. What are his tendencies? What are his hurts and hangups? Does he have addictions that control and rule his life? What does he do over and over? What are the patterns in his life negative or positive say about who he is? What are his expectations? Talk about what he expects in a relationship. Is he working towards the expectation that is the destination of marriage or does he just wanna play games? If he can't stand the heat, he needs to get out of the kitchen. Ask him his expectations. A, affections. What are his affections towards? What does he care about? What is important to him? Like what does he talk about? What does he spend his like hours on hours doing? Is it work, video games, sports, women, lots of women? Like what are his affections? Next, his reputation. What do those around him and in close proximity around him say about him? What is the reputation that precedes him? Is it like, man, that guy, like he can throw some back on the weekends. 
Like, or that guy, he's been with like every girl. Or like, oh, Mark, everyone knows Mark. Like, what's his reputation? Is it someone that has the aroma of Christ? Is it someone that is known for being led by Christ? And then lastly, his time. What does how he spends his time say about what he cares about? Does he spend his time following Jesus, reading his Bible, praying, in church, serving, giving back, pouring in relationally, diving deep with people? What does his time say about what he cares about? Because we spend time doing the things we care about. So when you examine his heart, his heart will tell you what leads him. It's like when we talk about this idea of like making sure you know what's leading them. Have y'all ever followed someone who has no idea where they're going in a car? Like, it's the most frustrating thing. And sometimes you notice when it's like too late. That happened to us today actually with some girls on our staff. Um, we, uh, um, <laughs> we just driving and next thing you know, you're taking an exit and you're like, I thought that was okay, but then you're going and then you call and you're like, are you looking at maps? Do you know where you're going? Like, how are you getting, where are we going? And they're like, oh my gosh, I took the wrong exit. And you're like, why didn't you just look at the maps? Well, I didn't want to type in the address. You know, and it's just, okay, I'm following someone who has no idea where they're going. Like there's nothing leading them. And the destination, nowhere. The same with men who are not being led by Christ. If he's not being led by Jesus, your destination will probably end at a dead end or you'll be lost, searching, and frustrated. So make sure that you know that you know that he is being led by Jesus. And if he isn't following Jesus, and he is not letting Jesus take hold of his life and shape everything about him, do not let him lead you. He is not dateable if he is not being led by Jesus. The next question, question number two, is he faithful? or flaky, and I wanna have some fun with this one. Is he faithful or flaky? Because I think millennials, we kinda of have this like rap for being flaky people. We're scared of commitment, we're scared of being tied down, we're like single till 30 at least. We, we just like, if I wanna show up to the party, I will. I know I said I'd be there, like, but this bubble bath is feeling good, got a glass of wine, like, we can be flaky people. And that's all fun, and we laugh at it, until we encounter it with someone that we like. And their flakiness is what defines them and we're impacted by that inability to commit. The inability to be faithful as a man. And I hear so many girls say, man, like, where are the godly men? Where are the godly men at? And yet all they hang out with is boys. All they do, <laughs> okay, okay. But I'm just saying where you spend your time, who you spend your time with, that's the result you're gonna get. And so don't claim with your mouth to want a man and all you do is hang out with boys. Be where the men are. And just cause we're at the porch doesn't mean everyone here's a man, okay? Let me just say that. <laughs> you already know that though, okay. But, <laughs> got me off track. And the idea of being faithful or flaky, ask these questions like, is he passive? Is he committed? 
Does he do what he say he's gonna do? Does he show up when he says, says he'll show up? Does he follow through with his commitments? Does he communicate? Is he Snapchatting other women? Ask these questions and ask yourself, is this guy faithful or flaky? James 5, 12 puts it this way. By, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by an, any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Boys are flaky. Men are faithful. Men do what they said they're gonna do. Men follow through. Paul gives us this charge as men in 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. He says, men, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. When you are messing with a girl's emotions by being flaky, that is not the attitude and the attributes of a man. That's like boy vibes. You wanna be a man. You wanna be who you say you are. And I wanna address something that we get asked about a lot here. And if you follow JP, former director, they, I mean, girls ask this every Friday Q&A he has without fail. And I'm like, I'm about to give the answer. I'm about to say it loud and proud. Once and for all, you never have to ask again. Everyone asks this idea about ghosting. And they say, JP or Porch, if he ghosts me, should I keep trying? Should I keep like pursuing? Should I stick around? Because like what he does, it's like, a, it's like he dangles a tree and I'm like, oh, this is nice. And then like, boom, vanishes. And then like right when I'm like, I'm done with him, he comes back and I'm like, oh, this is nice. And then go back and forth. Like if he ghosts me, should I leave? Here's the answer. I'm serious, ladies, repeat after me. Ready? If he ghosts me, he needs the Holy Ghost. Ready? <laughs> if he ghosts me, he needs the Holy Ghost, okay? He needs the Holy Ghost and you need to say bye. Because men of God, aren't flaky, they're not ghosting, they are intentional. And I'm not saying this doesn't mean that he's not a Christian, I'm saying that he is not mature enough to be leading you as a man. Because men act like men, men are strong. Men are followed by their faith, not their feelings or emotions. Men pursue with love and clarity and kindness. Guys, I'm about to like bring my attention to you for just a second, like again, if you do these things I'm about to say, Okay, do this. I don't know why God made women this way, but it is in every woman's DNA to overthink. They are constantly wondering about everything. It's a beautiful part of who you are, embrace it. But they're constantly overthinking. And so your job as a man is to take her 1,000 thoughts and conduce them to one, bring them down to one thought. That's what you do. And how you do that is through something called communication. Okay, listen. Here's how you communicate to a woman. Ladies, if he does this, he's probably dateable. First, you approach them with clarity. You're clear on what you're about to say. Next, you handle it with care. And then lastly, you say it with conviction. You mean what you say and say what you mean. And you know why you're saying what you're saying. Okay, clarity, care, conviction. 
If you do that, she'll respond with the three R's. She'll receive what you have to say, reflect on it, and respond accordingly, okay? <laughs> so you wanna practice the three C's, and how you practice the three C's will say everything about her three R's. How you communicate will determine her response. Why? Because you're the leader. And you want her to feel confident and clear and understanding, hey, this is who he is. This is his plan for us. This is what we're doing. He is faithful, not flaky. There was a time in our relationship, me and Jenna, uh, where I was planning the most epic proposal of all times behind the scenes. And it's like really hard to be like communicating often when you're like lying a lot and like hiding and <laughs> hiding things behind the scenes. And like, I'm like being distant because she's like, what you doing? And I'm like blowing up balloons and I'm like, oh, nothing. And so I was kind of distancing myself, I'll admit it. And as I'm, no, I'm planning to propose and commit my life to this woman, she has the audacity <laughs> to say one day, do you like me? <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean do I like you? And she's like, I don't know. I just feel like lately it's been different. Like, do you like me? And in that moment, I could have chose to be like, what? I'm over here dropping money. I'm over here planning. I'm over here doing everything to just demonstrate my love for you. But I thought about it and I'm like, okay, in the pursuit to do this, I have kind of let down my leadership and I've like let my guard down a little. And so I looked at her fellows and I practiced the three C's. I looked at her and I said with clarity, hey, I really like you. And I said it with care. And with conviction, I said, girl, it's you and only you. My eyes are only on you, no one else. I'm not going anywhere else. Just you wait and see. And she took that, she received it, reflected. She's like, maybe you were overthinking a little. And like, maybe, you, you know, he really, like, like that phone call the other night was actually really good. And then she responds accordingly. Because that's what happens when men are faithful. That's what happens when men lead. Women are waiting for men to step up and lead. And guys, I get it wrong all the time. Do not hear me say like, hey, be like me. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is be like Christ. Be like Jesus. Whatever that looks like for you in your context of your relationship, be it. Be God's men. Act strong. Be like men. But ladies, I think, while I was prepping, I was just thinking, I think a lot of times, like sadly, the reason why we keep coming back to these men who hurt us and ghost us and are flaky, it could be for a few reasons. One, fear. You have a fear that you're gonna be forever alone. And so you begin to lower your standards and compromise. And you also have this fear and this thought telling you, well, like, what if there's not someone better than this? Another reason that you might tolerate a guy who's not dateable is excuses you become an expert excuse maker. Where you say, well, he just, it was just a mistake. He just messed up one time. Well, just two times. Well, just three times. Just four times. And you become an expert at making excuses for him because you'd rather have a guy who, yeah, like he's not leading you well, but at least you're not alone. And again, fear is dictating your actions, which are excuses. And you deserve better than that. Or lastly, maybe it's your identity. There's something in your identity that does not believe that you deserve a man that I'm describing. That you don't deserve a man to wholeheartedly 
in a God-honoring way pursue you with clarity and love and gentleness. It's because like there's something in you that thinks like, you know, this is all about me. It's all about who I am, like my identity. I deserve this. I deserve this. But the reason why you want a man to pursue you this way is not to do with anything regarding who you are, but whose you are. That because you are not you, but a daughter of him, that's why you wanna be pursued this way. Your identity is not founded in yourself, the bad or the good, what you don't deserve or what you think you deserve. Because your identity is founded in Jesus, that's why you deserve to be pursued and led by someone who has given their heart to Jesus. So I'd ask you tonight, when considering if he's dateable, first consider, hey, is fear making excuses because something's wrong with your identity, it's placed in something other than Jesus. Because flakiness isn't what marks a man that's dateable. Faithfulness does. So if he's not all in, if he is not committed and all in with you, get out. Question number three. Is he committed to your purity over his pleasure? Ooh. Is he committed to your purity over his pleasure? Because y'all, purity matters. God cares a lot about how we use our bodies. He cares a lot about how we act sexually. In a world that tells you that you can do what you want when you want, that the idea of not having sex before dating or engaged or married, that it's just crazy to think, like you mean to tell me that y'all haven't tested your sexual chemistry? That is culture's lies that are feeding you and forming your decisions. That is not what God would have for you. And that, when you follow that ideology, that you have to be sexually compatible to be with someone, you are setting yourself up for a lifelong commitment to unmet expectations and hurt. Because that's not God's design. That's not what should attract you to someone. That's not what should make someone significant to you or worth dating to you. It has nothing to do with that. But God does have a lot to say about how we utilize pleasure, how we utilize sex. And so here's what a couple of verses, Hebrews 13, four, it says, let marriage be held in honor among all. When you make the decisions to honor God in your dating life, you are following this command because how you date prepares you for how you're married. So you're letting marriage be held in honor among all. And what does that look like? It says, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, AKA don't have sex before you're married. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. First Corinthians 6, 18 says this, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize, again, he, he brings it back to value. Not keeping something from you, informing you about what you're worth. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and has given, was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. You don't get to decide if you are a Christian. You are signing up to be Christ-like. Not what you want, what he wants, because you trust him 
because you love him, because you surrender to him. And so you say right here, hey, we, I don't belong to myself. For God has bought me with a high price, the price of his one and only son, Jesus. So I must honor God with my body. This shows me that God, if he puts this in the Bible, it means he cares a lot about it. He cares a lot about how we use our bodies and who we give our bodies to. Why? Genesis chapter two, we see the first institution of marriage. It says, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife or lay with his wife and they shall become one flesh. One flesh. We call those things soul ties, connection. And I know you think that when you get to a certain point of intimacy, it's now time for you to act physically and that is the product that is sex. You have sex with someone to show them that you care about them. Or some of you think, no, you just have sex with someone because you're both just like wanting to find pleasure. But God is saying here, it's so much more than that. I designed this to be, to have so much pleasure on the other end, but I'm asking you to trust me with how you do it and when you do it and who you do it with. And he would say here that you do it with one person, your spouse, after you're married. Why? Have you ever thought that the reason why maybe you can't get over your ex or that person still holds such of like a weird place in the back of your mind and in your heart is because you both chose pleasure over purity and you gave yourself to them and y'all started to connect at a soul level because that's what God intended for sex to be, but you did it outside of marriage, therefore you ended it and you broke up and you move on and yet you wonder why your heart hasn't moved on because you have gone outside God's bounds and you've given yourself to them on a deep, deep, intimate level and you can't, you can't find yourself being able to separate from it. That's why God cares. He's like, if you would just choose to trust me, you're gonna get the most pleasure ever, but do it my way. I am the inventor. I know everything about you, your makeup, your wiring. I know everything, and I ask you to trust me with this. But I think it's really hard for us to believe that it's worth the wait, that it's worth choosing to operate from a place of purity, not pleasure. It's like this. I think a lot of times we as men, we, like let's say sex is, a fi like, sex is fire, okay? Is that, a, who, who sung that? Sex is on, you know that song. It's like, let's imagine sex is fire. And I think we are naturally wired as men to treat it, I don't wanna speak for women, maybe women too, honestly, to treat it like this though. Everyone knows, what this does to fire, especially men. Just like we like sex, we like lighter fluid for whatever reason. And so <laughs> we go, we put something down, we light a match and we're like, and we watch it like, and it's like awesome. And it does something to us as a man. It brings us pleasure. It's weird, I know. But the problem with this is, is this never creates a fire that lasts, ever. Yeah, it creates a huge spark. It creates a show. It makes you feel alive for a moment, but that fire will never last. And you claim to want a love that lasts, yet you're operating with this. And you're coming and you're like, oh, 
fire and it blows up and that's sex. You're like, oh, a problem, let's have sex. And sex becomes your solution to your problems or oh, we haven't felt really connected and so let's have sex. And oh, we're back together. Oh, we're cuddling again. Oh, we're intimate again. And there's this cycle because sadly, I think now women have found pleasure in giving their man pleasure. Why? Because that's the time that he gives you attention. And so what happens is this like vicious cycle begins where if you want attention and you feel empty, you know if you give him pleasure, that equates to attention. And so now you're giving, he's giving you attention, you give him pleasure, he then gives you attention and you're just feeding each other and just going But eventually this is gonna run out and this won't be enough. And you're not warm, you don't feel safe. It's just a quick fix and it's become your source, but that source runs out. And so you get rid of the bottle and you have to go get a new one. But what God intended was that your dating life is heading towards experiencing sex in an amazing way in marriage. Like God is so pro-sex, he invented it. But what he asked us to do is to take time building the fire in our dating relationship, spending time pursuing purity, not pleasure, spending time being focused on what she needs to care for her soul and to not hurt her and to damage her. And when you spend time building this fire and preparing this fire, when marriage comes, you get to set it ablaze. And I know that we're all thinking, man, it's gonna be amazing. Like those that are waiting, I'm so proud of you. Keep waiting, keep going, keep pursuing purity. But the reality is, is if you choose to spend your dating life honoring her by being committed to her purity over your pleasure, you're gonna create a fire that is warm, inviting, and that lasts. You're creating a space for a love that will last because you chose to date with the right priorities. And you can keep adding and adding and adding. And I'm not gonna act like the struggle ain't real. Like I'm in it right now. Like I see marriage on the horizon, but the struggle is real today. I know that. But you know what's more of a real struggle? Is when you cross those boundaries and create those soul ties and then leave her. And she feels used. That's a worse struggle. And so make the commitment today, men, to honor her purity over your own pleasure. Women, wait for someone who's gonna see you as someone that he wants to protect and provide for, not to only get pleasure from. Psalm 119.9 says, how can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word, by listening to everything I've read and saying, God, I know what I feel, I know what I want, but I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna lead her by following you I'm gonna to choose to be a faithful man of God and not a flaky boy. And I'm gonna cho choose her purity over my pleasure because your word tells me to, because I trust in your design. And ladies, if he trusts in God's design, he is dateable because he sees your value as a daughter of God. So I wanna close with this. I start off by saying that 
the one thing I want everyone to walk away with tonight is understanding their value. And that verse, it talks about, hey, don't you understand that you have been bought with a high price? Paul is talking there about how God sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. And I know that in talking about sexual past and all these different things, like some people can feel like, hey, I'm not worthy of this kind of relationship. Or some of you can feel like, hey, I could never be that kind of person if only you've known what I've done. If you've known the relationships I've been in, if you knew these things, and I'm telling you that the blood of Jesus covers every sin you've committed. That no matter your sexual past, no matter if you've given yourself away, no matter if those boundaries have been crossed because of Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, you are new. That's the beauty of why we gather. That's the beauty of why we're here is I'm here tonight to tell you that this doesn't have to be your story. That because of Jesus, you can be new. That no matter how you've been dating, no matter how you viewed relationships, no matter how you viewed women or women, you viewed men or yourself, you can be new tonight. Because it's never been about you. It's been about what Jesus has done for you. And because of what he's done for you, he now calls you son and daughter. And so I pray that every single one of you would act like it. Like you would live, like you were bought with a price, that you are of value of the God of all creation, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, because the more you see your value, the more you see your worth, the more you will live in your calling and your purpose. And for the girl here tonight who has been hurt by men who are acting like boys, who have claimed one thing and been another, I wanna say on behalf of men, I'm sorry. And Jesus can heal you and make you new and you are worth being pursued by a man who is dateable, who loves God. For my men, for my brothers, If you've been one of the guys that I'm talking about, a guy who has not been leading women well, I know that behind every one of your poor dating decisions and choices and ways is not a dating problem. It's a deeper problem. Maybe dating was never modeled for you. Maybe divorce was a part of your story and you saw what was supposed to be a committed relationship fall apart and it had effects on you. Maybe the people around you have told you to date a certain way and you've done another. Or maybe you have at one point connected emotionally with a woman and she broke up with you, cheated on you, rejected you, and you never wanna feel that rejection and hurt again. And so you have chosen to stiff arm women and to keep yourself emotionally unattached from them, resulting in hurting them, but pleasing yourself. And you've never been the same because you've never healed from that hurt. That can change for you tonight. Every single one of you tonight has the opportunity to be healed by Jesus, to be made new by Jesus. And if you would be marked by Jesus, you will be dateable. He will be dateable. Let's pray. Father, I ask in your name that you would come and show us where we are 
not being who you called us to be? Would you help women tonight make the courageous step of saying no more? I'm seeing my value, I'm seeing my worth, and I'm changing how I live, and I'm changing who I follow, and I'm changing who leads me from this day forward. Men, God, I pray for the men tonight that they would, they would see their calling and their purpose and the opportunity they have as a man to step up. And that when they step up, they're not forsaking something, they're stepping into something so fruitful and something so adventurous and something so much better than continual hurt and pain and longing. May that story end for them tonight. I pray that you would raise up godly marriages in Dallas, Texas, that this would be the ministry that is marked by people who say, we're gonna be different. We're gonna be led by Jesus, not culture. We're gonna pursue purity and not pleasure. We're gonna be faithful men and women of God. And God, would you be honored by that? Thank you that it's not up to us to be the perfect boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife, but because of you, we can be made new and live like you've called us to live. If there's someone here tonight who's never entered into that relationship, I pray that they would stop the search for a guy or girl and start the search for an abiding, intimate relationship with you because there is nothing sweeter, nothing greater. You know the needs of this room right now. Would you come and do what you do? And then I pray, amen.